honest, I don't know if anyone has an answer for how the world can live in peace today. But this much I do know. I know that there is peace through unity in Christ Jesus. I don't have many answers for the world, but I do have an answer for you, New Covenant. Church, brothers and sisters, and it's taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians. So let's begin with Paul's call to the church for unity. There's been a conflict in the Philippian church. Now, <clears throat> that should not surprise us, that there are conflicts in churches. Um, so if we experience conflicts in churches, we're not the first ones. So this church in Philippians, <laughs> this church in Philippi, this Philippian church, started by Paul, is also experiencing some conflict. And this conflict is being revealed to us in this letter by the mention of two women, Yodia and Syntyche. Now let me be clear that conflict is not always started by women. <laughs> let me be clear about that. But in this particular case, Paul highlights these two women who seem to have some kind of, of conflict or miscommunication or some issue that is between them. And these two women are not, they're not lay people. These are church leaders in Philippi. Paul refers to them as his co-workers along with Clement I was just telling Alex that in their early church writings, they call them the patristic writings. There's probably a new name for that today, but that's how I learned them. And um, Clement has a couple of letters. They're not in the Bible, they're not biblical, but they're important letters for us to look at. And um, so when we think about um, these people, Syntyche, Yodia, Clement, and then earlier he mentions Epaphroditus as a co-worker. Remember? So these are four co-workers in the church in Philippi. J uh, Timothy is mentioned in this letter as well, but Timothy is the colleague of Paul. They're on this mission, starting churches across um, Asia here. And um, so when they are in the process of building these churches, um, they're developing pastors, uh, deacons, bishops, overseers, and deacons, Paul refers to here, to care for the church. It's kind of like when our bishop sees a need for a new church in a new area, and she will establish a church, they'll call a pastor to develop the church in that particular area. These two women are co-workers of Paul. In the midst of their disagreement, Paul exhorts them, exhorting meaning teaches them that they should share the same mindset that is in Christ Jesus. Now, <clears throat> does that sound familiar? In Philippians 2, um, chap uh, chapter 2, verse 5, 
This is what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have the same mind in chapter 4. And then back in chapter 2, he says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then, you remember that Sunday we sang Beautiful Savior? And... um, because I said that was kind of like a Christ hymn for for us. Um, But Paul goes into a Christ hymn for them. And so what he's telling them is like Jesus, who was humble, who came to serve, that should be as pastors, as deacons, as bishops, that should be your responsibility as well. You should be humble and you should come to serve. Like I said, we don't know what the conflict was, but it's interesting that Paul treats each of these women with respect equally. He doesn't take sides. And he knows that they have important work to do in the gospel of Jesus Christ at the church in Philippi. So what he is telling them and the church is let's work together in unity for the sake of the gospel that people who don't know Jesus, people who don't know the good news might hear it, that their lives might be changed, that they might have a hope that maybe we just kind of assume. But there are many who live without that hope. So let's work together in unity for the sake of the gospel. Does that sound good? So how do we do that? (laughs) That may be as almost as difficult as trying to establish world peace. But I think Paul gives us some helpful clues here. Let's go back to what he told Yodia and Syntyche. Have the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. That was a mindset of humility and servanthood. This is the Christ hymn that that Paul is referring to here. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself. Taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So how do we have the same mindset of Jesus? By following his footsteps. Submitting to God also entails submitting to one another in the church. This is how we share the mindset of Christ Jesus. Looking to Jesus as our example, taking up our cross and bearing it, even if it does incur suffering. 
So if this is the answer to the question about how we are to attain unity, and I think it's a good answer that Paul has given us, be of the same mind as Christ Jesus. If this is the answer, then how do we attain peace through unity? Paul gives us the answer to that as well. Thank you, Paul. He tells us to receive the promise and the gift of peace by rejoicing. Yes, you heard me right, rejoicing. Paul would say to emphasize it, and again, I say rejoice. We have joy in Christ Jesus. We have joy in the gospel. We have joy in the good news that brings hope, that transforms lives. But do we have joy in our suffering? I've been tested a little bit this last couple of weeks. And I have to tell you that my mindset to challenge, to hardship, to suffering, often resorts to anxiety and to fear. Why is it that when someone says that they want to meet with me, my mind goes to anxiety? What did I say? <laughs> what did I do? Am I in trouble? <laughs> How quickly we forget who we are. We are children of God. Even if we make mistakes, we are children of God. Even if we disappoint our Heavenly Father, we are children of God. God has claimed you, made you his own. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to be anxious about. And if we are anxious and fearful, then it might actually illuminate something for us. Have you ever heard of the Streisand effect? <laughs> I had not heard of this until I started Googling you know, how sometimes we try to hide things and it gets revealed. So the Streisand effect is when we try to, you know, it's my, it's our stoic um, identity. You know, how are you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Could be worse. <laughs> and uh, instead of saying, I, I'm in pain. No, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> and um, so sometimes... <coughs> Sometimes our lies reveal the truth. So the Streisand effect is named after Barbara Streisand, the actress, um, and it refers to an unintended consequence of attempts to hide, remove, or censor information, where the effort instead backfires by increasing awareness of that information. It's named after Barbara Streisand, who apparently attempted back in the early 2000s to suppress information about her um, palatial home in Malibu, built on a cliff where there was erosion and um, 
someone had gotten a picture of it showing the erosion and um, uh, the showing the, the, the bad effects of, of what was happening. <coughs> it was by the Co uh, California Coastal Records Project. They had the photograph of her clifftop residence. So she tried to hide that picture. She tried to suppress it. And guess what? It became even more well-known. So how do we prevent our anxieties, our fears, from overtaking us and revealing our lack of identity? How are we to do that? Well, Paul's answer for this anxiety, Paul's answer to stay away from the Streisand effect is to live a lifestyle of prayer towards God. A lifestyle of prayer towards God. In uh, verse 5 of our reading today, Paul writes this, Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And so the implication is, for the Lord is near. The Lord is near you. The Lord's nearness. That calls Paul to remind them that they should not be anxious about anything, but instead take everything to the Lord in prayer. Paul's antidote for anxiety is this, a posture of prayer towards God. If you want to get rid of your anxiety, begin to pray. If you want to get rid of your fear, begin to pray. But don't do it just periodically. What Paul is saying is, let's make this a lifestyle. Let's make prayer a regular part of our daily lives so that we can always bring these things to God. Now, anxiety is not a sin, but it can draw us to sin, where we enter into self-pity, you know, poor me, or we into, enter into self-seeking. Well, I'll just prove them all wrong. <laughs> anxiety is not the sin, but it can lead us to sins. How many good decisions have you made when you were anxious or afraid? I have not made many good, good decisions when I act or react out of fear and anxiousness. I make assumptions, and then all of a sudden things fall apart. Is it, is it no surprise that when the stock market crashes, out of fear many people will sell off their portfolios after it's crashed, they think it's going to get worse. How many of us have ever been deeply wounded and hurt by someone until we respond by lashing out? 
Maybe in your job, you were mistreated by a boss and the thing you thought about was when I become the boss, I'm gonna mistreat people too. I'll be in charge then. Those are reactions. That's reactivity. Really, it's radioactivity, <laughs> and it's deadly. None of these are wise, Christ-like responses to the challenges we face. Paul calls us instead into this life of prayer so that we can be less reactive and that we can experience God's peace even in the midst of our suffering. Living by prayer and petition with thanksgiving is really living a life of dependence upon God. Instead of depending upon myself, I can put my dependence upon God. And in recognizing my limitedness and seeing God's unlimitedness, my life can be changed and transformed. The lifestyle of prayer results not in the removal of pain, <clears throat> it doesn't take away your suffering. It doesn't alleviate oppression. But in the midst of all that, God gives you a transcendent peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that protects followers of Christ from anxiousness. You see, that's the gift of peace is that we no longer need to live in fear and anxiousness. And because of that, we can rejoice. When we live practicing this lifestyle of prayer, we receive the promise of God. God's peace becomes a reality because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is then illustrated for us by those who live by the Spirit. And the hearing is the contrast. We can either live in the flesh or we can live in the spirit. When we live in the flesh, we, act, we react with anger, with revenge, with anxiousness. But when we live in the spirit, we respond with unity, gentleness, peace, and joy. That's why at the very end, when I added those two verses, that's why Paul calls us to focus on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, and anything, anything worthy of praise. I may not be able to affect any peace in the Middle East, but I can begin right here in my heart. And so can you. And as we do that, as we work on this lifestyle of prayer, by the way, Bonnie's a part of our Thursday afternoon and um, uh, Phyllis too, Phyllis isn't able to come, um, but uh, these two ladies are joining our prayer team uh, praying from 1 to 2 p.m. every Thursday in the afternoon. And so they are great prayer warriors. If you need help in prayer, visit with them. 
I may not be able to affect any peace in the Middle East, neither may you, but we, we can begin to change who we are individually and as a church. And as we begin to change, people begin to see. And some people will actually be drawn to it. And they may ask you, in the midst of all that you experience, how do you stay so positive? And you can tell them, oh, I'm not positive. I'm joyful. <laughs> As others see our peace, perhaps they want to know more about our peace and our God. And church, that is our calling, to live with God's peace so that others can see. So Paul is telling us here, <clears throat> have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, a mindset of humility and service, and rejoice in the Lord always. Even in the midst of suffering, we can rejoice. Because rejoicing reminds us that we are living in trust, not in anxiety. And then pray. Live a lifestyle of prayer. Those three things. The mindset of Jesus. Rejoice. Lifestyle of prayer. And when you have that, then we can all say together, again, I say, rejoice. Amen.